Good morning, Skyview. How are we? As I get stuck. All right. It's good to be back. Did anybody miss me? Anybody notice I was gone? Bobby and I were in Colombia for two weeks. Two wonderful weeks uh, visiting his family and also my family, but it was, it was lovely. So it's good to be back here. We were actually quite surprised because it's so sunny this week. It was warmer here than in Colombia. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, we were in Colombia and everybody was like wrapped up in winter coats and we were like, look, it's so warm. It's a good 15 degrees. And they were looking at us like, where are you coming from? It was good, good times. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm Pastor Brittany, one of the pastors here at Skyview. I probably should have started with that, but it's all good. Would you stand with me and recite this prayer together before we read scripture? Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb. Open our hearts to believe the good news. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our reading today is from Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 16. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, this scripture um, did give me a little bit of trouble, but what scripture doesn't sometimes, right? But this scripture is full of exploitation. And I was actually meant to preach further to like verses 30-something. But when I read this portion of scripture earlier this week, I couldn't help but stop. I just kept reading these three verses, and I felt like I just couldn't go forward. And I would read them again and again and again, and Sometimes three verses isn't a lot, but I just felt like these three verses were, they were just pulling at my heartstrings. And by the end of reading this passage, I just felt like my heart ached. I don't know if anybody else here felt like that. But you see, there's, there's often this prayer that I pray And I'm sure there are people here who've prayed this prayer, and there's songs we sing sometimes that says this, and it says, we ask God to break our hearts for what breaks theirs. 
But you know, when we ask this, sometimes the burden can be a bit heavy. We don't understand necessarily what we're asking when we are asking for heartbreak. And my heart broke when I read this passage. Because we have a young girl who is nameless. She is without the dignity of even having a name, which is and was common for any enslaved human being. And she was only really known for her ability uh, to tell the future, and that was it. So we could, we could potentially say that she was in a form of prison. She was a slave. She was in this prison of slavery, but she was also in this prison of exploitation. Her masters used her to make money. She was also in a prison of loneliness. I'm sure not, she didn't have friends. That's not really a thing. She was in these prisons that, that weren't of her choice, most likely. And you see, sometimes we ourselves are put into prisons that we did not choose. You know, some of us here or online are, are even currently in a prison, if I could say that, in, in some sort of bondage, in, in something that, in darkness, in something that is foreboding. And we didn't necessarily ask to be put into that situation. It's not necessarily our fault. You see, some of us, we didn't ask for this isolation. We didn't, we didn't ask for the exploitation. We didn't, we didn't ask for the abuse that we received. We didn't ask for the persecution or the systematic injustice that we feel. But it's, it's connected to us without our doing, without our asking. And still, sometimes the chains just pile on top of us. And what I realized when researching prisons and chains is that, you know, the church isn't really comfortable with chains. You see, we're much more comfortable with the celebration and the rejoicing that comes from the liberating of chains. We love singing about that. We love talking about that. But we're not very comfortable about the pain that the chains bring about being in the chains. But I think it's important to acknowledge that because freedom comes from the truth and the truth is Jesus. And acknowledging this uncomfortable spotlight of what is binding us, of what is imprisoning us, is a step toward that liberation. It's a step toward giving our brokenness to God. And you see, sometimes like this girl, people aren't concerned about our chains as long as they're getting something from us. Maybe it's profit, maybe it's recognition, maybe it's power. Because this girl had to make money for her masters, that was her purpose, that was what she was doing. And including these days that she was following Paul and Silas around, you know, she was still earning this money for her masters. We don't know why she was following them exactly. We don't know exactly what she was doing at that time, but we know she wasn't free. We know she wasn't free to do what she wanted. 
We do know, though, that it took days. It says many days in the text before Paul cast the spirit from her. When I read that in the following sentence that, that followed, it just struck me because, you know, Paul didn't cast it necessarily out of compassion. It says, it says in the scripture, he was annoyed. Wow. <laughs> Talk about honesty. Look, church, I, I mean, Paul is just like us. Sometimes we put Paul up on this pedestal, but he had faults. He had faults before he became a believer of Jesus, and he had faults after his baptism. Doesn't just go away. And he was doing good things. He was doing great things. He was doing great things in the name of Jesus. But this one thing, and I, you know, I can sympathize with Paul. I can sympathize with Paul. And maybe we all can. So I'd like to tell you a little story. For those who don't know, I lived eight years in Australia, which I'm told sometimes when I say certain books of the Bible or things like that, it comes out, the accent. I'm not sure. I grew up in the United States, lived eight years in Australia and did ministry there. And for most of my ministry in Australia, I was bivocational, which means I was part-time pastor, part-time something else, usually retail, customer service work like that. And in Australia, it, you know, I worked in this um, store. It sold bed linen and other things like that. It was called Bed Bath & Beyond. It's actually called Bed Bath & Table because apparently they didn't want to go beyond the table. But Australia had some funny names for things. that It was the exact same company, but it was called Bed Bath & Table. But we'll call it Bed, Bath, and Beyond for context. <laughs> now, most people in Australia and the places I worked while I lived there uh, didn't know necessarily that I was a pastor right at the beginning. That's not really something you lead with, you know, especially in a country that um, mostly atheist or the church did a lot of harm more than good, had a very negative history with Christianity in general. So you didn't really lead with that. That's not really how you made friends. You didn't want to like introduce yourself in an environment and say, hey, I work in a place that most people hate in this country. Be my friend, yeah? No. So I usually tried to work up into it. You know, people found out eventually. It's not like I could keep it a secret. But when I was asked why I was in Australia, because clearly I was not Australian of the accent, um, I usually sidestepped the question and just said, oh, you know, I came to study. My studies brought me to this wonderful country. And it wasn't a lie. I did go there because of my studies. And one day I was working in this um, retail environment, Bed Bath & Beyond. Was, yep. It was a very small um, store. It was in a shopping mall. Shopping, is you, shopping mall, right? I do get confused with words, just saying. <laughs> Uh, it was in a shopping mall, so we had no back room. There was nowhere like the, the employees could like go and eat lunch. Right? There was nothing like that. So uh, we ate lunch in the food court, and we just kind of hung out when there weren't a lot of customers. We were putting away stock and things like that. So one day, I was talking with the girls I was working with. We were at the registers talking. And one of my coworkers um, had just found out 
that she had a rather large brain tumor that needed removed. Very serious. And she was very upset. And, and um, she came to me with this, and she was just talking to me. And, and I was just like, whoa, you know, this is, this is big. We've been working together for a few months. We knew each other. And I was going to offer her prayer. I was going to pray over her. I was going to offer her some words of comfort. I was just going to, like, be there for her in this moment that she felt like life was just caving in. And I cared for her deeply. And then someone walks through the store because it's an open store. And they come in here to buy some bedding. And it was like in this moment, right, where I'm like, I need to pray for this friend that I have. And this person walks in. I'm not going to name names or give any descriptions. This person walks in and she, whoops, they were from my church. <laughs> they were from my church. And it was very bad timing. And she's a very lovely person. And I loved her to death. Best intentions. But sometimes our intentions can do more harm than good. So this is what happened. Right after I was told that my friend was having this crisis, this other friend walks in and goes, Brittany, I didn't know you worked here. And this is your coworker. Oh my goodness, it is so nice to meet you. Did you know that Brittany is the best preacher ever? She is anointed by God. It is just amazing. Oh, and if she prays for you, oof, it is like the voice of God is coming down from heaven and just sweeping over you. And she has a husband. His name is Fabian, and he gives hugs like Jesus. He looks a little bit like Jesus. And you know, what a couple God. God sent, I tell you, God sent. Yeah. Good intentions. Lovely intentions. <laughs> now, as much as that was flattering, it was not welcome in that moment. Can we see why? <laughs> uh, not only did it make me uncomfortable, because I get uncomfortable when I'm praised, but it totally killed the mood for any prayer I was about to offer for this person who did not believe in God. I was just like, ooh. And it just sucked all the comfortableness out of the air and all the awkward just came in. And it was just super awkward from that moment on. And imagine if this had happened like right at the beginning of my job. Imagine if this had happened before I even knew my coworkers. Oh, I cringe. I cringe at the idea of that happening. And, and I was thinking about this when I was thinking about Paul getting annoyed. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense because here is Paul in this city trying to do God's work. And there's this spirit going, hey, look, look, look at these men. Look, they, they are followers of Jesus. They're going to show you the way. They know the way of salvation. Do you see these men? Do you see them? They're right here. Look at these men. Look right here, right here. You see them? And I'm sure Paul was the same way. He was just like, oh, my goodness. What is this? <laughs> this is not how you build relationship. 
This is not how you build a relationship. And you know, that's what Paul did. He traveled and wrote letters and, and he, he made these relationships with people and then he nurtured these relationships with people. And that's, that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to bring good news to people that hadn't heard it yet. And this spirit was making things awkward. And no one likes an awkward moment. Am I right? So Paul gets rid of the spirit of this enslaved girl, gets rid of it. And this is where I had to stop reading scripture. This is where I had to stop. Because I would love to read this and let my imagination just run wild and believe that this girl was set free from slavery and reunited with her family and taken in by a loving community and oh, it's just like, you know, all the bells going off and just spent her day super happy and healthy. Fabian calls that a Hollywood ending. He dislikes Hollywood endings. <laughs> we always have this argument. He much prefers real life movies, isn't that right? <laughs> I'm like, that's depressing. <laughs> well, Fabian, this scripture is for you and anybody else who doesn't like Hollywood endings because the simple fact is we don't know what happened to this girl. The story doesn't tell us. It just, she doesn't appear again in the scripture. So let's have some scenarios, shall we? Let's say her owners actually let her go and she's not enslaved anymore. But if we're honest and we think about the time and even like, you know, who she was and, and um, when she was freed from the slavery, she wouldn't have had any chance at a normal life not in that time, due to her, her age, her, her gender, uh, her previous background. You know, it was most likely even if she had family alive, they wouldn't have wanted her. You know, it would have been a burden to them. Girls didn't have status or rights So it was much more likely that she remained a slave because she had no name, she had no identity, she had no dignity. And slaves were viewed as less than people. They were commodities, they were, they were property, they were bought, sold, and traded. And she had value in her ability to tell the future and now that value and money maker was gone. So what that means is that if we think about it, she would have had some sort of protection because she had value. And that value was gone. And we don't know, but she could have been further exploited in other ways. It's very likely that they had to get their money elsewhere from her. And you know, when I think about that, then Exodus makes a whole lot more sense to me. Because maybe she wished for that spirit to come back to her. Maybe, maybe she wished to have gone back into that bondage of being under that spirit's influence. Maybe she thought like the Hebrews thought 
she wanted to return to Egypt. Well, it would have been better than what I have now. You see, it can feel safe in the familiarity of our bondage. And sometimes the slavery that we have known can feel more free than the actual freedom. My heart aches with this passage. I love knowing the ending of everything. Drives Fabian crazy. I read the endings before I watch anything. I love it. For me, it's the journey. But my heart aches for this passage, and yet, and yet, I have hope. Because we can feel heartache and still have hope, can't we? We are very quiet this morning. Amen. We can feel heartache and still have hope. Our hope does not die with the ache that is within our souls. And though this frustrates me to not know the ending, and maybe it frustrates you, maybe you're just like me and you're like, I really want to know the ending of this girl's story. It's super frustrating to not know. Even though there's not an ending in the scripture, there is an ending in this story. Because sometimes what isn't written is what we need to learn. And sometimes it's up to us to write it. Let's imagine. I'm really asking for creativity this morning, aren't I? Let's imagine that this girl was set free in every sense of the word. And let's imagine that someone took her in. Maybe even Lydia. Pastor Doug preached about Lydia last week. Or another church. Welcomed her. Valued her for more than than just, just what she was used to. But valued her for being made in the image of God. And loved her. Gave her dignity again. That, that is community. That is God's community. You see, we have hope because this vision of a community of God is what we're meant to live out. And it's not about the casting out of spirits, and dare I say, even the liberation part isn't the most important part in this passage. It's what comes after. The purpose of community is not to liberate. That's God's job. God is the one who liberates us. The purpose of community is to provide a place and family for those newly freed and liberated, to walk alongside them, to welcome them, to not leave them alone, to love them. This is the purpose of Skyview. We are here to walk alongside one another. We are here to walk alongside those who live near us. To listen to and to love these people, to love each other in a way that reflects the love that Jesus has for us. 
This is God's community. You see, the enemy loves nothing more than isolation. It is a great tool. Why do you think so many people want to return to their bondage and their prisons? Because sometimes it's less lonely than the freedom they are given. Look at the statistics. Those who have actually been in physical prison tend to want to go back. Because sometimes our prisons feel more welcoming than our communities. And we need to reverse that. That is our goal. That is our purpose, is to reverse that. We need to welcome people regardless of their past, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they think. And we need to pour out this love, this Jesus-like love that just floods in this place. It's the grace and love of Jesus that transforms lives. Not me, not Pastor Stu. It is the grace and love of Jesus that transforms lives. And we need to help those who feel what next? Help them feel welcome and loved. Like this is the place they want to be. This is the safe space where they can pour out their hearts, where they can feel seen. You know, when we have baptisms, we don't just want to let people go and be like, go, be free, yay. No, we want community. We want to walk with you. This is a journey, and we are a family. This is not meant to be taken alone. It cannot be taken alone. It's way too difficult. So I have hope, church, but I also have a question. And as the worship team comes back up, my question is this. How can we be this community that welcomes and empowers and values and loves. We say we're a community of transformation. I believe it. And I have hope in that. I mean, we already believe in the crucified and risen Christ. And we've all been in bondage. Let me, let me make that clear. We've all experienced some sort of darkness or prison in our lives. None of us are out of that. We've all been there. So for those of us here who feel liberated, how can we now walk with those who are still in bondage or who are newly freed? What does it mean to be a community of Jesus followers and to love like him? To not let people feel alone or isolated and this may seem daunting. I know it seems daunting. Sometimes there are days where I go, Lord, this is too much. Because I'm talking about every single person. And that thought alone can be daunting and exhausting. But I don't mean that each person needs to help 
every single person. Because the very definition of community is that we are many. That is why we need each other. Because we can't forget not even one. Because God doesn't, Jesus doesn't, and the Spirit does not. And this girl may not have mattered to anyone in this story. Perhaps she didn't even matter to anybody in history. But she matters to me. She matters to all of us. Because hers is the ending we see as the kingdom of God. Hers is the ending we envision for Northern Hills community. Hers is the ending Skyview can be. And I have hope will be and is and is completely transforming into that. Every day we are stepping closer into that. Skyview, can you, can you see it? I know not all of us have great imaginations, but can you picture it? Can you picture this community of love? It's beautiful, yeah? It's beautiful, this kind of compassion this kind of ending we desire. It's like if we were actually to look into the eyes of Jesus. Can we picture that glimpse of love? That holy love? That welcoming love that feels, feels like home? Even if we don't even know what home is. We know that that is what home feels like. We're bringing people home. That's our mission. Bringing them home. Thanks, worship team. <laughs>